Thank you, Samir. That's great to have that in front of us. If you can keep that part of the Bible open, that'd be really helpful. I'm not sure I introduced myself before. I'm Stuart Sam, the lead pastor here. And uh, we are going to be looking at uh, that section from uh, 1 John uh, today. So, yeah, if you can keep it handy, that would be really great. I'm going to um, pray for us and ask God's help on us. And then um, we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to reflect on your word. I pray, Lord, you'd help our minds to be attentive and our hearts to be soft and our ears to be open. Heavenly Father, would you be at work now by your Holy Spirit? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Well, I started uh, my one thing you should know with this Jesus is. And I guess this morning, I'd I'd love you to think, what would you say? If I was to say, complete this sentence, Jesus is, or it's the other way around, isn't it? Because you're looking at me. Jesus is, is that right? Is is on this side. Okay, very good, despite the fact that I see it the other way. So if I say, Jesus is, what would you say? Anyone going to call out? Jesus is what? Awesome. That's a good start. Someone else? Saviour? Someone else? Lord? Love? The boss, Jesus is the boss. There's some Colin Buchanan ringing in my head just as, we, uh, just as we hear that. There's a variety of different ways to answer the Jesus is challenge. Our passage shows us that there's a variety of answers, and so we can actually see that in front of us. Indeed, in the words that were just read for us uh, by Samir, we, we can see John the Baptist gave us a whole variety of different names for Jesus. So Jesus is the Lord. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Holy Spirit baptizer. It's not exactly what it says, but that's essentially what he's saying. Jesus is the Holy Spirit baptizer. And uh, he's the son of God or he's God's chosen one. That's a fair variety of titles, isn't it, to start with? And then as we work through, the disciples have a range of responses themselves. They call Jesus rabbi multiple times. Messiah, which means anointed king. They call him Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. They call him the son of God, and they call him the king of Israel. Jesus is, well, there's a variety of uh, answers right in front of us there. How did they arrive at these answers? How did they move from where they started to arrive at these great titles for Jesus? I want to look at each of the main characters in our reading today, uh, one at a time. And the first one we're going to look at is John the Baptist. And... uh, I know it's a bit obvious, but everyone knows his second name wasn't the Baptist, don't we? So it was his role that he took up. He was John the Baptizer. And so I assume he had a regular, uh, a regular um, second name, probably son of um, Zechariah. But it didn't catch on. The thing that really caught on that stuck in people's memory was that John was the Baptist. He was the one who came to prepare the way for the Lord. And so he starts off answering the question, how would you, who would you say Jesus is by saying Jesus is a friend to sinners? Now, those exact words aren't in here, but I want you to see that they are what John initially meant. Jesus is a friend to sinners. Have a look with me at verses 29 to 34. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When you look at Jesus, you would have seen a man who was experienced as being a carpenter. John looks at Jesus and says, Jesus is a lamb. 
He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you think, how is this carpenter a lamb who takes away our sin? What John recognises is that Jesus' life in the future that he would be the sacrifice for our sins. Just like a lamb for the Israelites used to die in their place, here Jesus would ultimately die in their place to make them right with God. Here is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John sees Jesus as a friend to sinners. He goes on to say something extraordinary about Jesus in verse 30. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Have you got your head around this little brain teaser? The one who came after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Do you know who was born first from the two of them? That's going to really challenge you. If you're new at church today, you've got no idea to the answer to that. So I'm going to just have a look at the people who have been coming to church for a while. Who was born first, John or Jesus? Okay, John. So Jesus says, John has surpassed me, even though he came after me, because he's before me. In what way is Jesus before John? Well, because he existed from the creation of the world. Because Christmas reminds us when he was born in the manger, he wasn't the first time he existed, but he took on human flesh. The word of God, the son of God, had been with the father from the beginning. And so John's just saying, the one who came after me, as in I'm introducing you to Jesus, he came after my, I've had a ministry, he's now going to have his ministry. The one who came after me has surpassed me because he was before me, and not just by a couple of minutes. He's existed from all eternity. Does this make sense? The one who came after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now, there's a little riddle unpacked for you uh, today. So he says that, and then John gave uh, this testimony in verse 32. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and can testify that Jesus is God's chosen one. What's John saying? Jesus is not only a lamb who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus is the son of God. John is making an incredible statement here about who Jesus is. He's seen the Holy Spirit come down and remain on Jesus as he's baptizing him. He says, all right, well, God, you told me to look for the one whom the Holy Spirit would come down on. I've seen him. That must mean that Jesus is the son of God. Now, today we're looking to take some lessons away from this passage but it's worth saying that John plays a unique role in God's plan not everybody gets to be or do what John the Baptist did in fact if we look at the story of the Bible this is my picture account of the of the Bible this is the Old Testament here's the New Testament John comes into the story after the birth of of Jesus but before his death we live in this part After Jesus' resurrection, that's the upward arrow, and after the giving of the Holy Spirit, we live here. John had a once only in salvation history moment to say, that one there, that's the Son of God. Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You and I aren't going to have the Holy Spirit come down and and be on Jesus and go, ah, now I know who he is. That's a once only job. And so John the Baptist is unique. 
But there are some other people in this story who are like us, and I want us to learn from them. Now, one of the answers you could have for who is Jesus, Jesus is, I've certainly heard people say this one, Jesus is a good teacher. Has anyone heard that? Jesus is a good teacher. He he had good things to say. Jesus is a good teacher. Let's have a look at someone who started off that way and see what happened to them. We're looking at verses 35 to 42. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Notice they're John's disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Verse 37, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and said, what do you want? I don't think he was that gruff. What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we've found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. See, here's here's this man who hears what John the Baptist has to say, and Andrew's so faithful, he goes, well, if that man's the son of God, sorry, if that man's the lamb of God, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and follow after him. But his first address to Jesus is rabbi. It's teacher. I've heard what John said, but I'm just going to treat you as a good teacher. We'll, We'll start off there and see what happens. And so he says, teacher, Uh, what's going on? And Jesus says, why are you following me, essentially? And uh, he says, come see where I'm going to stay. In in other words, come and become one of my followers. Hang out with me. Come and spend time walking along behind me. And as he did that, it seems that for Andrew, he got to find out more about Jesus. So we see in verse 41 that he has come to a better conclusion than Jesus is a good teacher. He says, we have found the what? The Messiah. Andrew has found in Jesus the promised king of Israel. That's what Messiah means. He goes, you're not just a teacher. You're actually God's chosen king. That's pretty awesome. And so the next thing he does is he goes and grabs his brother, Simon. And so the idea is if you truly get who Jesus is, if Jesus is a good teacher, that's okay. Leave him at school. But if Jesus is the Messiah, if you really get it, then you can't wait to give that to someone else. We have found the Messiah. It's not like Jesus said, well, look, guys, if you spend about six, eight, nine months with me and then you go to a couple of classes, eventually we'll make you feel guilty enough that you should feel that you should go and tell somebody else about it. Not how it works. He finds out who Jesus is. He said, Jesus is the Messiah. And what's it say? The first thing he did was go and grab his brother Simon. If you get it, you'll love to give it. If you get it, you'll love to give it. Now, Peter is pretty interesting in this. Notice his name is actually Simon. Did you notice that? Simon is his name. And it's absolutely fascinating what he does with the information that Jesus is the king. So uh, Jesus is the Messiah means that uh, this man who they've met on the side of the, uh, the river is, G- is the promised king. That's what Messiah means. And so I've got my crown up there. 
I want you to see the full account of, of Peter's, uh, Peter's conversion. You ready? Here we go. Uh, it's in verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. That's literally all it says. That's the entire conversation. This is, this is Peter's wrestling with who Jesus is. and He just comes to Jesus and Jesus says, you, you are Cephas. Okay. And what does he do? Well, Peter spends the rest of his life following Jesus. He will ultimately die believing in Jesus. Somehow he encounters Jesus in such a profound way that his answer, Jesus is, is immediately transformed. He locks in with his brother and he says, Jesus is the Messiah and I'll give my life to him. Meeting Jesus is so transformative for Peter. Not only does he get a new name, but he, gives, he gets a new life as well. And so today, if you were to come to Jesus, all I'd say to you is, if Jesus calls you, you better respond. And if you know that Jesus is the king, you can't simply sit with that information. You need to enthrone him in your heart. And you need to respond to his call. So, so far we've got two brothers. We've got Andrew and Simon Peter Cephas, the son of John. Who is our, uh, who is our next one? Well, the next one uh, that we meet in, uh, in, this little, in this little passage here, is someone uh, who clearly had been reading his Bible. Now, when we say we read the Bible, uh, you and I might open it on our app. We might pick up the one in the pew. Uh, Incidentally, if you don't have one at home, you're free to take the one that you've got in your hand. Please take that home. But if you've got a Bible at home, we would just pick it up and read it like this. For them, the Bible looked like this. Probably not as tatty as that one, but it was a scroll. And so the ones who knew the scripture would have listened to it And some would have maybe known the Bible in this sense, with Hebrew written on it like that. For some of those people, they'd been listening to the promises of Jesus, sorry, the promises of God for a long time. And as they look around their country, they see their country is occupied by a foreign power. There are Roman troops scattered throughout Israel. Israel is supposed to be the leading nation in the world. They're hoping one day that there will be a king like David who will come. They're longing for him to come. And so if you were a God-fearing Jew, it's entirely possible that you might think that God had been a little bit neglectful. God, where's our salvation? Why aren't we the top, the pinnacle nation in all the world? We're here under oppressors. Maybe, maybe their conclusion would have been that God was in fact neglectful. Have a look with me what happens when this man meets Jesus. In verse 43, we see the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. See, what Philip, I mean, it's also very interesting. Um, What happened was, uh, in our first situation, this man went and found Jesus and followed him. In this case, Jesus found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. 
And for Philip, when he meets Jesus, the transformation is quite remarkable. He actually says, we have found, verse 45, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so for, um, for Philip here, Philip has found the promised one. I thought God was neglectful, but now I know all that scripture, all of those promises have come to a head in this guy right here in front of me. Jesus of Nazareth is the promised one, is the one that we've been waiting for. And so he would change his answer from, no, God's not neglectful. In fact, how wonderful right now I have in front of me the promised one of God. We've been waiting and here he is. But I want you to see, what does, he do, what does he do? Again, he can't keep the good news in, can he? He goes and finds uh, Nathaniel. And when he, founds him, when he finds him, he says, I found this incredible guy. <laughs> and Nathaniel's response is, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Now, can anyone think of a place that we would use uh, with that way? Where would we say, okay, everyone thinking of one? Good, don't call it out or we'll shame ourselves. But okay, here's the thing. It, we, we, could, we could potentially say, I mean, if I was in Wollongong, I might say Cringella, okay? There's a great name, isn't it? Cringella. Perfectly appropriate. And you'd all chuckle heartily if you lived in Wollongong. But you don't, so that's fine. Here's the thing. You can think of a place where you would say, nothing good could come from there. You can all think like that. And it's the first response of Nathaniel to say, there is no way in the world that God's answer to all of our hopes and dreams comes from Nazareth. Not happening. It's a complete backwater and everybody knows only dud stuff comes from there. And so his response is, his, his mate's going, hey, it's the best news ever. And he's gone, nah, can't be. Source of origin, wrong. I don't need to know anymore, okay? But I want you to see what Philip's response was. Absolutely beautiful, right? And this, I think, we can learn from. Uh, have a look at the end of verse 46. Uh, Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Verse, uh, uh, verse 46, then Philip says, come and see. He doesn't say, you wouldn't believe. Nazareth has got some really great high-rise developments at the moment. Some new people are walking in. The whole suburb is being gentrified, okay? Good things could possibly come from Nazareth. He doesn't say that. He just says, you know what? You can reject Jesus. You can reject the one I'm telling you is the promised one. But before you do, why don't you just come with me and check him out? Why don't you make an investigation as an adult and see if you draw the same conclusion that I do? Come and see is what he says. Let's have a look at what happens for, uh, for, for Nathaniel. I, I think for Nathaniel, it would be fair to say, he would answer, Jesus is a fairy tale. And I'm guessing you know some people who would answer that way, yeah? Jesus is a fairy tale. You're making it up. It's got no business impacting my life today. Jesus is absolutely a fantasy. Jesus is a fairy tale. And yet he does come and see on the invitation of Philip. We pick it up in verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, uh, lest you think he's sitting there, and Jesus is here, and he says, oh, I saw you before Nathaniel called you. 
if that was the case, what happens next wouldn't work. So have a look what he says. Verse 49, Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. What, what I assume this means is that when his mate went to go and grab him, he was out of view. He was far away. And when Jesus said to him, I saw you under the fig tree before your friend came and called you, he just goes, how could you know that? And if you know that, then you are the son of God. And Jesus says, well, that's, that's a good transformation <laughs> to go from me being a myth to being the son of God. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing stuff. But he says, if you reckon that's awesome, stick around. There's going to be a much better show to come. The, the point here is that for Nathaniel, an engagement with Jesus, an engagement with the living Jesus that shows that he knows something about him is enough to transform his life. From Jesus is a myth to Jesus is the son of God. And so I want to encourage you today, I guess, if you're in the Nathaniel uh, boat, Jesus, all I'd say is be an adult. It's not enough simply to poo-poo Jesus. Come and check him out. Use your adult brain. Investigate who he is and what he's done. Come and join me for Jesus for the Curious. Spend four weeks. It's four Tuesday nights. Come and have a look at him yourself and make up your mind, is Jesus who he says he is? Come and see is the, invoca- is the invitation. Let investigation follow scepticism. Because I think that it'll be worth it and you'll find someone at the end. So what did we see? Well, John the Baptist told the disciples what he knew, that Jesus was a friend to sinners. Andrew told Peter what he knew, that he had found the Messiah. Philip told Nathaniel, I found the promised one. You've got to come and check him out. And the idea is that this pattern Share what you know is to continue. Have a look with me. This is one of our foundation passages as a church. Uh, We're in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. It says here, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Why is this so important? God is in the reconciliation business. You and I are in the ambassador business. And God's plan, God's plan is that he will speak to the whole world through us. God's plan is to speak to the whole world through us. You don't have to know the whole plan, but the encouragement is to testify to what you know. What do you know of Jesus and can you declare it to those you love and are connected to? Well, how will we give this message? How will it actually happen that we'll give the message? We have a plan. You'll be surprised to know. And, uh, and this is our plan. Every week when you come in here, whether you've seen it or not, this stands here and reminds us what our plan is to give the message of new life in Jesus. And so we talk about connecting with people. You have to start with a connection. In some cases, John pointed them on and they followed Jesus. In other cases, Jesus found them himself, but it starts with a connection. 
we then want to care. We want to show people what the life in Jesus looks like. We want to find a way to be a blessing to them. But we need to communicate. We need to name Jesus clearly if people are to follow him. And we want to lead them to commit to him as king. Now, many of you know this plan. Connect, care, communicate, commit. You know it. Here's what I reckon. I reckon for many of us, we stall somewhere around care. So my encouragement to you would be, take every relationship you have, one C at a time, closer to commitment to Jesus. And we do the connection, well done, great. We find a way to care, outstanding. But I reckon many of us will be stalled at care. Waiting for the bit where we go, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Do I speak of Jesus yet? What would happen if I spoke about Jesus? And so we stall, we stall at care, and we haven't yet got to communicate with people that we love and know who are around us in our offices, in our social clubs, in our families. We're at care, and we're loving them crazily in the name of Jesus, but we haven't named Jesus. And so I would encourage you, we need to get to the point where we communicate, and that would be my great hope for you this year. Most of us get a little stalled around care. So what can we do? Well, this term, in term one, we'll be asking people, Jesus is. What do you say? Or, put it another way, how would you fill in the blank? And I don't think that's too hard. Jesus is, how would you fill in the blank? What would you say? What would you put in that space? Can you ask someone that you love? Notice that you're not telling them. Okay, everyone, take a seat. All right, I've got some things I need to tell everybody. Now, I'm crazy enough to do that. I'm a little bit weird, but I don't think any of you are going to stand up with a Bible in the middle of your family group and say, okay, everyone, sit down. I've got a message from God for you. You need to. But I reckon we can, in a very relational way, hey, what would you say? How would you complete the sentence, Jesus is? What would you say? Jesus is what? And I think we can get people started there. We can get people starting to think. And so over term one this year, we're going to be encouraging you to be asking people, Jesus is, how do you fill in the blank? So what might people say? When you ask them, what might people say? Well, here's some I prepared earlier. Here's some that people could say. They could say Jesus is the son of God, is love, is fairy tale, is irrelevant, is a crutch, is a good teacher, is good for you, is neglectful, is a friend of sinners, is my mum's thing, is alive. There's a variety of different things that people could say, isn't there? And what I want to encourage you is that there will be a whole bunch of different responders when we ask that question. There'll be people who are religious and seeking. So some people who are God conscious, who are looking out there. And I would encourage you to be bold and clear when you speak to them. There'll be some people who will be religious and passive. It'll take Jesus to go and find them. But they're they're God conscious, in which case... I want to encourage you to take some initiative and have enough faith to start a conversation with them. Some of them will need to be going, you'll need to go and find them. And when we find them, they will be faithful. So there'll be people you don't know yet who if you find them and speak of Jesus, they'll respond. Do you believe that? No. I believe that. You know, if I was, I'm crazy. One of my things is if if I have never done it before, I figure I might be a natural at it right? Whatever it is, right? Hey, I've never done this before. I might be a natural. So I tried it with cross-country skiing, stood on the skis, fell over sideways. I went, okay, I'm not a natural. But my thing when I'm talking to people who don't know Jesus is, they might be called of him, and today might be the day God wants to call them home. It's not my work. 
And so if God has prepared them, maybe today is the day of salvation for that person. So when I'm speaking to them, I'm constantly looking and going, could this be the day for them? Because it's not my work, it's his work, and he has been at work before you. Do you see? So if you find them and they're faithful, they're just waiting for someone to tell them, and they're ready to go. Some of the people that you find might be a little skeptical. Does that sound about right? In which case, I want you to show boldness and patience. Don't worry if they say, Nazareth, can anything come from Nazareth? You go, well, that's very biblical. Well done. But you invite them, come and see. Come to church. Come and do Jesus for the curious. Read a copy of Jesus' Jesus' own words. Invite people to come and see. So what do you say? Well, I want to encourage you. What you could do is you could let people know what is coming up. So say you've got an answer like a fairy tale. We're actually going to have a plan for this term, which will have all the answers that we'll be addressing over the course of this term. And so you might be able to go, ah, you said Jesus is a fairy tale. Did you know on February the 25th at church, we're going to be talking about Jesus being a fairy tale? Come along and hear. And it might be the first time they ever come to church, but I'm going to give you a menu of Jesus' answers, and you can look ahead, and you can know when we'll be talking on those topics. What will I say? You might want to look at the, uh, the website that's uh, being put up, which is jesusis.org.au. And there, you can find a whole bunch of answers yourself, or you can point your friend to it, and they can find a whole bunch of answers. On top of that, through term one, I'm going to be having a Q&A each week where you can go, hey, someone said this, what would you say? so that we can be skilled up in how to answer. Does that sound okay? Sounds great, thanks, awesome, fantastic. So how do I prepare? I wanna give you three things by way of application. How do I prepare? Jesus is what? I want you to think, what would you say? Jesus is what? Take a moment now, on the back of your Karen Connect card, write down your word. Jesus is what? Write it down. And if at the moment you go, I don't know, write that down on the back of the card. And then you can say on the front side of the card, see, I want, to ha- I want to have an answer to that. I'm going to do Jesus for the curious. Take a moment now. Jesus is, what would you say? You're so amazingly responsive, church. You're doing great. Did you write something down yet? Fantastic. I want to encourage you to prepare your answer. If we're going to ask other people, Jesus is fill in the blank, what would you say? And they say something, and then they say, what would you say? And you go, oh, I've never thought about it before. You look like a bit of a dag, to be honest. So can I ask you to prepare your own answer? That'd be great. See if you can get five sentences together and say, Jesus is whatever it is for you. Have something intelligent to say by preparing your answer. Secondly, I want to encourage you this year, we do this every year, to pick up a card like this. This is one of our 316441 cards. They're at the back where you drop your Care and Connect card in. Pick one of these up. I want you to write down the name of people that you will pray for this year who will know, come to know Jesus. We ask and pray. A family member, a friend, a next door neighbor, and we've got a blank space for someone you're yet to meet. Pick one of these cards up and start praying for people who I want to see become Christians this year because you are faithfully naming Jesus and lifting them up in prayer. Let's faithfully ask God to prepare hearts and opportunities. Prepare your answer. Prepare in prayer. Thirdly, we can prepare over morning tea. Jesus is, how would you fill in the blank? Son of God. 
What would you say? He's love. Fantastic. Guess when we can practice? Right here. How amazing. Oh, I'm a bit worried about how it'll go at work. Well, have a live fire exercise with someone here. Do you know what will happen? First of all, you'll actually have a practice, which is great. Second of all, who might be encouraged? We might be encouraged, mightn't we? When I hear you say, Jesus is whatever it is you've got to say. For me, so let's practice over morning tea. For me, how would I answer the question? Jesus is what? Well, for me, Jesus is hope for the hopeless. If I'm to stand by the bedside of someone that's dying, if I'm to talk to a family, if I'm to live through it myself, having just lost my mum, if I'm to stand at the face of death and live with hope, there is no one else. There is no one else in human history that can offer me the hope that I have in Jesus of life beyond the grave because he went there and has come back to tell me. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the only hope for the hopeless of all humanity who will die and leave this life. Jesus is hope for the hopeless. And if he is hope for the hopeless, I'll tell you what he is. He's worth telling your friends about. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank and praise you that there is an answer to who you are. That you are the Son of God. That you are the way, the truth, and the life. That you are the eternal one, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. That you are the bride to the church. That you are love. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would grab our hearts. That we would know you and love you so fully that we would be delighted to share you with our friends. Help us to prepare well, to pray well, to practice well, Lord, that we might see people come to know and love and serve you for the very first time this year. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said?